My name is Professor Brinson, and I have taught school in the city of Chicago for over 17 years before I retired. And then I went into business, but I've taught at the elementary school level, the high school level, and also at the college level. But a strange thing happened to me when I was in my late 20s teaching. And I had a strange experience where my brother, who was two years younger than me, got murdered. And that put me into a state of depression. And so I always had a feeling there must be a reason for everything. So I had a strange, almost insatiable type of curiosity. And during the summertime or in the spring, when I was not working, I bought me tickets and traveled through different parts of the world. I went through Canada, but I was in search of trying to satisfy this knowledge that I thought I had, but I knew it was not deep enough. So I went to Canada in search. I went to uh, Switzerland. I went through the Netherlands. I went through France. I went through Germany. I went through England. And I eventually went through the Middle East. I went through Hong Kong. I went through Japan. And I ended up in India, the land of great mystery and majesty. I loved India because that's where all of the religions started from. Most of them started in the East, in the Eastern part of the world. We imported them in America. So I grew up in a Christian church, but I never understood the mystery of what Jesus was talking about. But when I went and met this individual in India, he was a high government official. I met him by a strange coincidence and he befriended me. I felt so much affection for him. He introduced me to his family. He had three kids. And he was much older than myself. And he fascinated me. He told me so many things. And he said, whenever I tell you something, you should ask questions. And if you don't understand, ask the questions. And I'll try to say it in such a way that the knowledge which is inside you will make a light bulb go off. And you have the aha experience. And I'll explain where the experience is coming from. So after spending so much time with him, I asked him, how did you get this knowledge? He said, I met a teacher who befriended me, became my best friend, and he taught me about meditation. And he said to me some shocking things. I didn't want to believe him, but he said it's possible. The way this human body is designed, every human being is fortunate and have the capacity to spiritually get out of this body at will. They don't know that they can do this. They normally need the body at the time of death or they have a accident or clinical death experience, and they die through great trauma exacted upon the physical body. That's the normal way in which they die. I said, I didn't curse at him, but I said, no, this is unbelievable. He said, no, I didn't believe it either. But my teacher taught me over a period of time that, there, that this body consists of basically tent doors. Two are here at the eye lobe, eye level, where you look out of these two eye, eyeballs. These are openings which take your attention out into this world. You don't know anything about this world except your attention flowing out of these two apertures, which you call the eyeballs. You also have two holes or openings at the ear level. Your attention goes out into the ear and captivated by the sounds of this world. You have two openings at the nostril level in which you breathe in and the air and you pick up different odors, different scents of this world and the attention flows through these doors too. Then you have a seventh door, which is the mouth. We eat, we communicate with other people, 
And he said, the danger of this door is that we spend too much time talking and the attention goes out into this world talking to people. He said, this door is meant to ask questions. That's the door in which you seek. If you come around somebody that has had any experience above what the one you've had, because they can trigger something in you, which will make your door open. He said, all of the knowledge is inside you because your consciousness is the same type of consciousness made of the same spiritual stuff as the creator who created you. He places consciousness everywhere, but more specifically in the human being, because the human being is the most intelligent species on the planet. All of the other animals and species got the consciousness too, but it's diluted. There's less light in them, more light in the human being. Therefore, it's given us more intelligence. Anyway, when after talking to him and spending so much time, I spent over 40 some years around him. He came to America. He spent time with me, he worked in my business. But in the year of 2019, the spring, that's when I had my super spiritual experience. I'll explain why I said super. Because before I was meditating, and meditation is an attempt to go inside the tent door. You got two doors below the body, one at the reproductive organ and one at the uh, buttocks in which you defecate and get rid of all of the food that you have digested. It becomes out as debris. So in order to open up the tent door, which is right behind these two eyeballs, it's like you can go two inches. These fingers represent the eyeballs. If you can take your attention and go back about an inch and a half or two inches, there's a door which is called the tent door. In all of the holy literature, whether it's Greek, Muslim, Christian, any founders of the religion speak of this tent door. They call it the third eye. On the dollar bill, if you look at a dollar bill, on the opposite side, you see a pyramid. And at the top of the pyramid is that single eye. Jesus talked about it in the Bible. If you can open up this eye, you can leave the body. But trauma is exacted upon the body for most people when they die. Heart attacks, gunshot wounds, strokes, automobile accident, uh, airplane accident, drowning. It forces the body to open up this door and they die. Most of them don't come back. But in America, in this country alone, over 20 million people have had the clinical death experience and have come back with memory and without brain damage. You have different experiences in different parts of the world, regardless of the religion. The creator does not care about what religion you follow. That's, that was a big shock to me when he said this. Creator only care about the love in your heart. If you've got great love in your heart, that's what he cares about. And your seeking can seek in such a way with intensity, you'll get more love. But anyway, going back to the, this experience that I had at Rush Hospital, located downtown in Chicago, when I had this painless, non-trauma heart attack, I didn't feel any pain. I was being wheeled up, you know, a wheelchair because I had I was supposed to get a hip surgery. I became quiet. And as we go through the door, I painlessly died without pain. And she kept talking to me as though I was still conscious of her. I was conscious of her because when I got out of the body, I looked at myself. I looked at the doctors and the nurses that was in the room. And there was not supposed to be a cardiologist on that floor. Strange coincidence. The creator had arranged for a doctor to be on that floor. He was supposed to be on the upper floor. So as I looked and I looked around and my friend that I had known who had taught me about meditation was there. He said, why are you surprised? I said, 
He said, I told you I'll be there. Whenever you die, I will be there. And you don't have to do anything. And I'll escort you to the, through these different regions. I'll chauffeur on you. So I was so happy to see him. And I said, well, why are they cutting off my expensive coat? He said, why do you care about these coats? When you go to the next world, you can create anything by thinking. You can create, you can even make your body look extremely young. I said, okay. So as he took me through the physical universe, I said, wait a minute, I want to see the sun. I want to see it up close. So he said, why do you want to be having this boring experience of the sun? You've seen it every day of your life in the morning. I said, no, I want to see it up close. So he took me to the sun, huge atomic and nuclear and hydraulic, uh, hydrogen explosion taking place. I didn't feel any heat. It's a large place, huge. And he said, let's get out of this experience, it's boring. You won't feel anything because you're in a ghost body. My hands went through their body when I was in the hospital room. And as I got into the area of the sun, he said, let's cross this space. So he just chaperoned me and we crossed the entire physical galaxy with the trillions and trillions of stars and planets and asteroids and all kinds of debris. And we ended up in a tunnel. As I go inside the tunnel, I start hearing a strange noise. I started hearing this noise earlier. I didn't know the exact description. He said that noise is actually God himself vibrating throughout the entire universe. God is, is a formless vibratory energy source that's creating everything. And so now you're hearing it. And as you get through the tunnel, we get into the tunnel. I start seeing people that I had met in the 1600s, 1700 earlier. And they knew me. I knew I didn't know all of them, but I knew some of them. They called me by different names. And I recognized them and they recognized me. And they say, uh, I understand uh, that you're from America. What part? I said, Chicago. They said, we want to go there because we heard so much about that in the higher world. Uh, where do you live? What's your phone number? So I gave him my address and phone number. I knew they would forget because when you become a baby, you automatically go into a state of forgetfulness. You develop what in every individual called deja vu. I've seen this, I've done that, but you can't remember because of the Alzheimer's that sets in at that age. Now, not all children have this Alzheimer's. It's in Matthew's 17 chapter, 10 to the third verse, where the disciple of Jesus come to him and they ask him, we understand based on the rumors that existed in Jerusalem at that time, that the Messiah would come after Isaiah. Isaiah in the Old Testament said he would come back. And Jesus responded, I'm, I'm changing some of the language, but Jesus says, Isaiah did come back. I came after him, but you didn't recognize him. He was in a different body. His name was John the Baptist. That's, in the That's a principle explaining reincarnation. But anyway, all these holy books, to some extent, go into them. So I read all of the holy books, studied all of this stuff. But as I went through this tunnel and ended up in the middle part of the astral plane, where all of the heavens and hells exist, how do I know I was there? When you go there, if you go into the middle part, the memory of you who were there prior comes back, like waking up from a dream here. Who can tell you anything? If you are awake and they try to tell you, you know, you're not awake, you say, what are you talking about? They can get all of the president, all of the uh, notaries and celebrities of this world to come to your house and say, you're still sleeping. You'll write them off because your memory of this old comes back to you every night when you wake up. You don't have to pinch yourself. 
You don't have to open your eyes. You automatically recall the same thing takes place when you go into the astral plane. You discover that you have a life, and I discovered that I had a life of 33,000 and some odd years. So it's easy to write off a dream when you wake up because you know you've been in this body, the physical body, 30, 40, 50 years, and you know that the dream was only a sandwich experience between two wakeful states. In the dream, you may last six, seven hours or more or less. You wake up. You don't question yourself. The memory is what gives you solidity, certainty of who you are. Same thing happens when you go to the middle part of the astral plane. You know exactly how old you are because you are there waking you up. You died here or what you call woke up from this level of consciousness, which is the sixth floor. Right now we're on the sixth floor of this body, right behind these two eyes. When you die, you go to the seventh floor. The hells and heavens are on that floor. So as you go to the seventh floor in the middle part, your memory comes back only at that time of how old you are. That's your identity. Nobody can ever shake you from that experience. But you feel that's the highest experience because these regions are structured spiritually where each level you convince that's the highest. Like in this world, you feel, even though you believe in another level of consciousness, if you never had that experience, you have faith that it exists. But nobody really wants to die. The reason why they don't want to die is they think they're being extinguished. Not even a bird, not even a worm, not even an ant wants to die. They, all of these beings got the consciousness and they feel that it's, you're going to be extinguished. But the beauty about consciousness is that it can never be extinguished. You can never become unconscious. Never, no matter how hard you try. You can go into a coma, you're still having experiences there. But when you wake up, you don't recall. We have dreams and we can't recall those. We remember some of them unless we take notes. So memory is the identifying aspect of who you think you are. You wake up, you look in the mirror, you say, oh, I'm a Caucasian. But you wake up there, you made up a different type of color. You made up light. Your light can be of different shades. My light was a golden type of shade. And as I travel with my teacher into the astral plane, the middle part, I saw people who were scientists working on different projects. Uh, like you have scientists in this world who came up with the, the COVID-19 uh, medication. It was people who had worked there and came back here and made the discovery. All discoveries that are taking place in this world is being inspired by human beings who concentrate their attention behind their eyes and that door cracks a little bit and the knowledge flood them. They themselves don't know where it's coming from. Dr. George Washington Carver, the great black scientist who was a slave in the 1800s, he loved the study of plants. Loved them so much so, even though they uh, castrated him, he came up with over 400 different discoveries and inventions from the peanut plant. Medicine, all kinds of dyes, food. A strange thing happened to him in the 1920s. He met Henry Ford, who was uh, developing automobiles, the T-Model Ford. And he wanted to know from Carver, how did you come up with this rubber? I could use these, this, this, this understanding and put them on my cars if you made them just from sweet potato and, and uh, peanuts. So he said, I'll give you six figures if you want to work with me. Carver turned him down. He said, I'm not concerned with money. I'm just at Tuskegee University trying to help people who are interested in learning about this, who were my people, and teach them this method. So with the concentration of attention, Carver came up with over 400 different discoveries. You can research that for yourself. All discoveries from great 
people that we call geniuses come from the concentration of, a, of the attention. Every human being is potentially a genius, potentially the heir, the inheritor of what I'm talking about. If they come in contact with a teacher who can teach them. We don't learn anything in this world except when we're a baby, we can't even move. All we can do is move our hands. We can't even feed ourselves. We can't walk. Our mother or father or some guidance teaches us everything. We learn how to use the potty. We learn how to walk because we see other people walking. We learn how to speak languages because we go to school and we learn these things. But when we go to church, we meet people, whether it's a church or a mosque or a synagogue, we meet people who have studied the scriptures. They don't know about these experiences so they can get confused because language got so many different interpretations. But that's another subject. But anyway, as I got into the astral plane, I discovered that the normal means of communication is telepathic, telepathy. You said something in your mind, the person that's listening to you also can hear exactly what you said in your mind. They can hear your thinking. They can see your thoughts. Thoughts are visible in that world. So there's no room for miscommunication in the middle part of the astral plane. Everybody's intelligent there. There's no violence in the middle part of the astral plane. Everybody's more loving. Everybody's full of more joy, more happiness, no violence. You see that world just like this world. There's a huge sky, there's stars, there's planets, there's animals there, there are all kinds of species, but the species don't try to kill you, <laughs> okay? In this world, if you eat a lion, the lion shows his teeth, it can scare a baby, but a baby's not afraid if it see a sheep because the teeth are made just like human beings. The human beings are a non-violent species. They are not made to kill animals or eat them. Anyway, let me go further. As you go further into that world, as I have gone, and I see people working on different projects, they're athletes studying their craft. When they come here, they become rare stars in football, basketball, whatever sports. But they practice there, okay? Every experience of knowledge in this world that's coming to individuals is coming as a result of practicing the concentration of attention. Because attention is the most valuable part of yourself in this body. The attention contains all of the knowledge and ability I'm talking about. With the concentration of attention, Einstein became Einstein. Einstein said he didn't like mathematics. One of his friends, uh, I believe his name was Gauss, he was walking with him in Princeton University and they were having good conversation. And Gauss said, why didn't you study mathematics? Because you came up with one of the biggest theories of equals MC square, which affected the entire population on the earth. You changed the whole thinking with your relativity theory. He said, I didn't like math because it requires too much attention. And I could spend several lifetimes studying different forms of geometry, trigonometry, and new forms of quadratic equation. I didn't want to do that. But he intuitively came up with this knowledge because he said he loved being by himself. He would spend long hours dealing with two talents he felt he had. One was solitude. The other talent was imagination. He had the gift of fantasy, he would call it. I could spend long hours conducting thought experiments in my head. And therefore, I arrived at a lot of this knowledge. But it wasn't real until I could prove it in this world. So this is how people get knowledge in this world, whether the Einstein or the doctor who discovered the penicillin and polio. Uh, he came up with the discovery of polio. So 
great artists, Leonardo da Vinci, Aristotle, Plato, all these people that we read about in history that we consider to be geniuses came up with this knowledge either through accidental concentration of attention or through some form of spiritual meditation. All of the religious founders came up with it through spiritual forms of meditation. But all of the religious founders are not at the same level of consciousness. Some of them go to the, the astral plane and they consider a certain type of teacher. Some go to the causal plane. Now, let me explain when I went to the causal plane, because I crossed the astral world. The astral world is a huge, gargantuanly large, fantastic, immeasurably huge world. If you were to compare the physical universe with all of its billions and trillions of stars and galaxies, the physical universe would be the size of a quarter in the Pacific Ocean. The Pacific Ocean would represent the astral plane. That's how huge it is. You could just, when you're in astral plane, you can create by thinking. You can create houses. You can meet designers there. They can design them. You can just create them by, by thinking. You don't have to go buy a house. You can also travel with your attention in that world, just like you travel with your attention in this world. But you need money in this world, right? To go book a flight and stay in a hotel, depending on how much money you got. In that world, it depends on how much concentration of attention you develop in the physical world. That becomes your spiritual money there. It becomes your spiritual money. You can travel very far in the spiritual world. Very few people can cross this the astral plane uh, without a teacher who's gone above that plane. And you, when you get into the astral plane, you start hearing music like Betty Eady in her book, Embraced by the Light. She speaks of hearing a bell sound in the early stages of her leaving the body and dying in a hospital. That bell sound can transform into music. It can transform into a trumpet sound, like the Bible talks about the trumpet. And it can take on different sounds and tonation. Like in the Christian Bible, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. That's in John 1, first chapter, one through the third verse. And God was the word. He's not talking about being a book. A book can't create anything. God is that spiritual vibratory energy that's created everything out of itself. He's everywhere. He's all knowledgeable. And so, but he only has two beings that he admires, that he's crazy about. They're like his babies. They're like the darling of the universe. The human being and himself. These are the only two beings that have the illusion of free will. He got real knowledge. We have the illusion of free will. He got real free will. And he writes the scripts on everybody. Like I'm looking at you and you got it look like reddish brown hair. You like in a white outfit. I'm looking at myself. I got a black shirt, a black vest, IC.org. And God or the creator knew that millions of years ago that we would be talking to each other like this or you'd be having me on your program. So he has knowledge, total knowledge, but he created this strange illusion that we are made in his image. He's not talking about physical ninjas. He's talking about the image of how you make decisions, how you use will. You have the feeling, oh, I can cut this man off, professor. I'm tired of him. Let me cut him off. Or I can get up and go somewhere else. Or the people in your audience can feel strange feelings, but they can't act on it. That's just a feeling unless it's in their destiny to act on it. And they don't know what their destiny is. You could end up getting married, not knowing you're going to get a divorce or have so many kids. That being who controls the astral plane is like a small version of a powerful being. He's like a 
a super God, but the being that's higher than him is in the causal plane. Now, let me talk about the causal plane. I'll be finished with that region because I can go on with the details. But anyway, as I as he took me to the causal plane, the causal plane holds all of the destiny of everybody that's ever been born or will be born. That plane holds the, the Akashic records, the ultimate Akashic records. Because you can go to the astral plane and you can come into the being that controls the sub-Akashic records. And you can go back into time and see exactly what will happen depending upon your concentration of attention. Or you can go to some extent into the future. But in the causal plane, you can travel backwards and forward. You can see the totality of everybody that will ever be born in time and space. Time itself is created there. Space is created. Just like when you go to sleep and you fall from the sixth floor, which is the wakeful state in this body, and you fall to the fifth floor, which is here in the throat center, most people live their entire lives out on these two floors. The sixth floor behind these two eyeballs and the fifth floor in the throat area. When we go to sleep, we create time and space there. Let me tell you how we do it. First thing that happens when you go to sleep, you start getting drowsier and drowsier, and you start becoming more fainter, and you fall from the sixth floor to the fifth floor. Your knowledge gets reduced. There's a reason why the knowledge collapses. It collapses because when you get into the dream world, three things happens. First thing, you create an illusionary body which you give to yourself. You can look at yourself, but we normally don't. And we create time and space in that world in a strange way. We see older people, younger people. We can see a man on a ladder working on a construction building. And we can see a lady with a baby in a buggy. We see dogs, cats, stars, everything. We can also taste food. You can drink water. You can drink a Coke or a pop. It'll taste real. But when you wake up, nothing is there. Absolutely nothing. You take that for granted. You say, oh, you don't know how you created this. The creator knows how he's creating it. He created everything, including you, by just slightly dreaming a little bit. <laughs> okay? He doesn't dream fully. But if you want to look for him, you have to see with a fanaticism. Of well, I had one problem when I came back. The problem was I couldn't shut down happiness. It continuously goes on. I, I try my best to let me see if I can get depressed. I can't get depressed. That's the problem I have. No other problem. Because when you get out of the body, all of the problems that you have in this world is associated with your concept of who you think you are. You think you are a beautiful white woman with lipstick, nice eyelashes, beautiful. But in the astral plane, you don't need Botox. You don't need any plastic surgery. Your body can be the age you want it to be in terms of looks. You can, you create your body here. You go get lipstick, you put on eyelashes or makeup. You do it by thinking. In that world, you think you create your body there and it stays a certain age. So that world is a prison. And in the, in the mind is the biggest prison because it makes us think we are that person. We think, and when we think, we think in another voice, which we think is us. You can never shut down thinking except when you go into the third stage. And the sound current that flows through the different region is only one. It goes through, let me give you an example. If, if water is a sound, and if it's flowing off Niagara Falls, it has a huge sound, right? And if it's flowing through rocks, it takes on a different sound. If it's flowing through grass, it takes on a lighter sound. If it's flowing through cement, even a lighter. So that's how the sound is God expressing itself. It's really one sound, but it takes on different musical quality depending on what region it's flowing through, what spiritual level it's flowing through.
Okay. I first argued with my teacher. He said, you got to go. So I said, no, you don't have to take me back. I said, my children, my relatives, you can tell your teacher who's way up there to take care of all of these problems. He said, shut up. You're going back. Because when you took birth, you're destined to live so many years. And they don't like to alter that. Okay. Because you don't want to come back anymore. And most people, karma, I'm sure you've heard of karma, is stored in the causal plane. And it's in different, we have three types of karma. When you take the human body, a certain amount of that karma is called destiny karma. And that karma is fixed. How old you're going to live, how many children you're going to have, how much money you're going to make, what racial complex you'll be born in, what country, all of that is the destiny karma. That karma is taken out of a bank account of many hundreds of lifetimes that you have. You can't pay all this karma in one life. And so a certain portion is called destiny. And then you have the karma of the illusion of free will, how you make decisions. That karma is significant because when you decide, that's when you create karma. You can decide, I'm going to kill somebody, okay? But if you kill them by accident, that's not karma. If you eat certain food because everything got life, I'll talk about that later. But then you have karma that is stored. That's a huge one. You got the destiny karma, the karma that's stored, and then you got the the new karma that you can create by using your will. Okay, those are the three types of karma that a person creates. So I was forced back into the body. He said, you got to go back. You got to meet so many people. You got to share this knowledge with, try to share it with sincere seekers. And so as I'm here now, you are a sincere seeker. So you pulled me back. And so let me talk about this strange music that goes on into all these levels. In Exodus, in the Old Testament, Aaron, who was a prophet, in 2835, uh, in the 28th uh, verse, I mean chapter, in the 35 verse, Aaron says he heard a sacred sound. That's in the Bible. Okay, people don't know what that means. In Psalms 82, fifth verse, it says that blessed are the people that know the joyful sounds. It's mentioned in Psalms several sections in the Bible. Uh, in Acts 2, chapter 2, 2 verse. And suddenly a sound came from heaven. In another section, Revelation 15, 52, the, one of the prophets said, I heard a sound talking to me like it was a trumpet talking to me. And I died and I lost the fear of death. I'm paraphrasing it. But I'm saying the Bible is full of this beautiful sound. And in Matthews, no, in John, third chapter, eight to the, to the 12th verse, it could be the 10th verse, Christ is talking to Nicodemus. Because Nicodemus was a high rabbi, a high priest. He sneaked in to see Christ at night because he didn't want the other priests to know. He was going to see this strange Jewish fellow, which they uh, didn't like. And so he said, I understand that you're a man of God. And Christ spoke of, you must be born again if you want to hear this sound. And it sounds like the wind. So at this time, let me end this conversation. I won't say anything else that the cause of rain, rain is not the highest stage. My teacher took me above the causal plane. He took me into the region where you get to know who you are. You get to know your real self at that stage. Be still and know that I'm God. That's in the Bible too. Your mind has to become still because all of the, all of the other region, the mind is running, giving you all kinds of strange. It's like a wild horse in this world. You can't make it be still. So when I got there, I wanted to go further. He said, God is two stages above that. He said, you can't go any further. 
you will go there when you finally die. You got to go back and meet people and share this knowledge with sincere seekers. The mind is a machine attached to this body. This physical body is a prison house. It's like a coat, a suit that we're wearing. We tend to think it's us. That's the illusion. When we get into the astral world, we have an astral body. We tend to think that's us. That's the second prison. It's a better prison. Then we go to the causal level. That's a prison. It's a mind. The mind is what's keeping us away from God. And you have to go to the third stage, which is, you can't use words there. All you can say, mete, mete, means not this, not that. Not this and not that. And that's the stage of wonder, love, knowledge. I can't even really explain it. So at this time, I'd like to end this conversation. And if you have any questions, you may do so at this time. Thank you.